0: Section 16 of Around the World on a Bicycle, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Tomko. Around the World on a Bicycle, Volume 1, by Thomas Stevens, Chapter 7. Part two Through Slavonia and Serbia It is but thirty kilometers from India to Semlin, on the river bank opposite Belgrade, and since leaving the Fruscagora Mountains the country has been a level plain, and the roads fairly smooth. But Igali has naturally become doubly cautious since his succession of misadventures this morning and as while waiting for him to overtake me i recline beneath the mulberry trees near the village of batainitz and survey the blue mountains of servia looming up to the southward through the evening haze he rides up and proposes batainitz as our halting-place for the night adding persuasively there will be no ferry-boat across to belgrade to-night and we can easily catch the first boat in the morning i reluctantly agree though advocating going on to semlin this evening while our supper is being prepared we are taken in hand by the leading merchant of the village and turned loose in an orchard of small fruits and early pears and from thence conducted to a large gypsy encampment in the outskirts of the village, where, in acknowledgment of the honor of our visit and a few cruisers by way of supplement, the flower of the camp, a blooming damsel, about the shade of a total eclipse, kisses the backs of our hands, and the men play a strumming monotone with sticks and an inverted wooden trough, while the women dance in a most lively and not ungraceful manner. These gypsy bands are a happy crowd of vagabonds, looking as though they had never a single care in all the world. The men wear long, flowing hair, and to the ordinary costume of the peasant is added many a Guga, worn with a careless jaunty grace that fails not to carry with it a certain charm in spite of unkempt locks and dirty faces. The women wear a minimum of clothes, and a profusion of beads and trinkets, and the children go stark naked or partly dressed unmistakable evidence that what is approaching the orient appears to the semi-oriental costumes of the peasantry and roving gypsy bands as we gradually near the servian capital an oriental costume in Ezek is sufficiently exceptional to be a novelty, and so it is until one gets south of Peter Wardine, when the national costumes of Slovenia and Croatia are gradually merged into the tasseled fez, the many-folded waistband, and the loose, flowing pantaloons of eastern lands. Here, at Betenitz, the feet are encased in rude, rawhide moccasins, bound on with leathern thongs and the ankle and calf are bandaged with many folds of heavy red material also similarly bound. The scene around our gas house after our arrival resembles a popular meeting, for, although a few of the villagers have been to Belgrade and seen a bicycle, it is only within the last six months that Belgrade itself has boasted one, and the great majority of the Batanit's people have simply heard enough about them to wet their curiosity for a closer acquaintance. Moreover, from the interest taken in my tour at Belgrade on account of the bicycle's recent introduction in that capital, these villagers, but a dozen kilometers away, have heard more of my journey than people in villages farther north, and their curiosity is roused in proportion. We are astir by five o'clock next morning, but the same curious crowd is making the stone corridors of the rambling old house impassable and filling the space in front gazing curiously at us and commenting on our appearance whenever we happen to become visible while waiting with commendable patience to obtain a glimpse of our wonderful machines they are a motley and withal a ragged assembly old women devoutly cross themselves as after a slight repast of bread and milk we sally forth with our wheels prepared to start and the spontaneous murmur of admiration which breaks forth as we mount becomes louder and more pronounced as i turn in the saddle and doff my helmet in deference to the homage paid us by hearts which are none the less warm because hidden beneath the rags of honest poverty and semi-civilization it takes but little to win the hearts of these rude unsophisticated people a two-hour's ride from Betainitz over level and reasonably smooth roads brings us into Semlin, quite an important Slavonian city on the Danube, nearly opposite Belgrade, which is on the same side, but separated from it by a large tributary called the Save. Ferryboats ply regularly between the two cities and, after an hour spent in hunting up different officials to gain permission for Igali to cross over into Servian territory without having a regular traveller's passport, we escape from the madding crowds of Semlinites by boarding the ferry boat, and, ten minutes later, are exchanging signals with three Servian wheelmen, who have come down to the landing in full uniform, to meet and welcome us to Belgrade." many readers will doubtless be as surprised as i was to learn that at belgrade the capital of the little kingdom of servia independent only since the treaty of berlin a bicycle club was organized in january eighteen eighty five and that now in june of that same year they have a promising club of thirty members twelve of whom are riders owning their own wheels their club is named in french la société In the Serbian language, it is unpronounceable to an Anglo-Saxon, and printable only with Slav type. The president, Milorad M. Nikolic Terzibokic, is the cyclist's touring club consul for Serbia, and is the southeastern picket of that organization, their club being the extreme cycle outpost in this direction. Our approach has been announced beforehand, and the club has thoughtfully seen the Serbian authorities and so far smoothed the way for our entrance into their country that the officials do not even make a pretence of examining my passport or packages an almost unprecedented occurrence i should say since they are more particular about passports here than perhaps in any other european country save russia and turkey here at belgrade i am to part company with egali who by the way, has applied for, and just received, his certificate of appointment to the Cyclists Touring Club Consulship of Duna Zekeso and Mohacs, an honor of which he feels quite proud. True, there is no other cycler in his whole district, and hardly likely to be for some time to come, but I can heartily recommend him to any wandering wheelman happening down the Danube Valley on a tour." he knows the best wine cellars in all the country round and besides being an agreeable and accommodating road companion will prove a salutary check upon the headlong career of any one disposed to over-exertion i am not yet to be abandoned entirely to my own resources however these hospitable Servian wheelmen couldn't think of such a thing i am to remain over as their guest till to-morrow afternoon when mr duchan popovitz the best rider, in Belgrade, is delegated to escort me through Serbia to the Bulgarian frontier. When I get there, I shall not be much astonished to see a Bulgarian wheelman offer to escort me to Romalia, and so on clear to Constantinople, for I certainly never expected to find so jolly and enthusiastic a company of cyclers in this corner of the world." the good fellowship and hospitality of this servian club knows no bounds igali and i are banqueted and driven about in carriages all day belgrade is a strongly fortified city occupying a commanding hill overlooking the danube It is a rare old town, battle-scarred and rugged. Having been a frontier position of importance in a country that has been debatable ground between Turk and Christian for centuries, it has been a coveted prize to be won and lost on the diplomatic chessboard, or, worse still, the football of contending armies and wrangling monarchs long before the ottoman turks first appeared like a small dark cloud no bigger than a man's hand upon the southeastern horizon of europe to extend and overwhelm the budding flower of christianity and civilization in these fairest portions of the continent belgrade was an important roman fortress and to-day its national museum and antiquarian stores are particularly rich in the treasure trove of byzantine antiquities unearthed from time to time in the fortress itself, and the region around about that came under its protection. So plentiful, indeed, are old coins and relics of all sorts at Belgrade, that, as I am standing looking at the collection in the window of an antiquary shop, the proprietor steps out and presents me a small handful of copper coins of Byzantium as a sort of bait that might perchance tempt one to enter and make a closer inspection of his stock. By the famous Treaty of Berlin, the Servians gained their complete independence, and their country, from a principality paying tribute to the Sultan, changed to an independent kingdom with a Servian on the throne, owing allegiance to nobody, and the people have not yet ceased to show, in a thousand little ways, their thorough appreciation of the change. Besides filling the picture galleries of their museum with portraits of Servian heroes, battle flags, and other gentle reminders of their past history, they have, among other practical methods of manifesting how they feel about the departure of the dominating crescent from among them, turned the leading Turkish mosque into a gas house. One of the most interesting relics in the Servian capital is an old Roman well, dug from the brow of the fortress hill to below the level of the Danube for furnishing water to the city when cut off from the river by a besieging army. It is an enormous affair, a tubular brick wall about forty feet in circumference and two hundred and fifty feet deep, outside of which a stone stairway winding round and round the shaft leads from top to bottom openings to the wall, six feet high and three feet wide, occur at regular intervals all the way down, and as we follow our ragged guide down, down into the damp and darkness by the feeble light of a tallow candle in a broken lantern, I cannot help thinking that these ore-handy openings leading into the dark, watery depths have, in the tragic history of Belgrade, doubtless been responsible for the mysterious disappearance of more than one objectionable person. It is not without certain involuntary misgivings that I take the lantern from the guide, whose general appearance is, by the way, hardly calculated to be reassuring, and, standing in one of the openings, peer down into the darksome depths, with him hanging on to my coat as an act of precaution the view from the ramparts of belgrade fortress is a magnificent panorama extending over the broad valley of the danube which here winds about as though trying to bestow its favors with impartiality upon hungary servia and slavonia and of the save the servian soldiers are camped in small tents in various parts of the fortress grounds and its environments or lolling under the shade of a few scantily-vendored trees, for the sun is today broiling hot. With a population not exceeding one and a half million, I am told that Servia supports a standing army of a hundred thousand men, and, when required, every man in Servia becomes a soldier. As one lands from the ferry boat and looks about him, he needs no interpreter to inform him that he has left the Occident on the other side of the Save, and to the observant stranger, the streets of Belgrade furnish many a novel and interesting sight in the way of fanciful costumes and faces of Oriental life here encountered for the first time. In the afternoon we visit the National Museum of Old Coins, Arms, and Eoman and Servian Antiquities. A banquet in a wine-garden, where Servian national music is dispensed by a band of female musicians, is given us in the evening by the club, and royal quarters are assigned us for the night, at the hospitable mansion of Mr. Terzibakic's father, who is the merchant prince of Servia and purveyor of the court. Wednesday morning, we take a general ramble over the city, besides visiting the club's headquarters, where we find a handsome new album has been purchased for receiving our autographs. The Belgrade wheelmen have names painted on their bicycles, as names are painted on steamboats or yachts. Ferry, Good Luck, and Servian Queen being fair specimens. The cyclers here are sons of leading citizens and businessmen of Belgrade and while they dress and conduct themselves as becomes thorough gentlemen one fancies detecting a certain wild expression of the eye as though their civilization were scarcely yet established in fact this peculiar expression is more noticeable at belgrade and is apparently more general here than at any other place i visit in europe i apprehend it to be a peculiarity that has become hereditary with the citizens from their city having been so often and for so long the theatre of uncertain fate and distracting political disturbances it is the half-startled expression of people with the ever-present knowledge of insecurity but they are a warm-hearted impulsive set of fellows And, when, while looking through the museum, we happen across Her Britannic Majesty's representative at the Servian court, who is doing the same thing, one of them unhesitatingly approaches that gentleman, cap in hand, and, with considerable enthusiasm of manner, announces that they have with them a countryman of his, who is riding around the world on a bicycle." This cooler-blooded and dignified gentleman is not near so demonstrative in his acknowledgement as they doubtless anticipated he would be, whereat they appear quite puzzled and mystified. Three carriages with cyclers and their friends accompany us a dozen kilometers out to a wayside mahana, the oriental name hereabouts for hotels, wayside inns, etc., Dukhan and Hugo Ticci, the captain of the club, will ride forty-five kilometers with me to Semendria, and at four o'clock we mount our wheels and ride away southward into Serbia. Arriving at the Mahana, wine is brought, and then the two Servians accompanying me, and those returning, kiss each other after the manner and custom of their country. Then a general hand shaking and well wishes all around, and the carriages turn toward Belgrade while we wheelmen alternately ride and trundle over a muddy, for it has rained since noon, and mountainous road till 7.30, when relatives of Dukhan Popovitz in the village of Gratska kindly offer us the hospitality of their house till morning, which we hesitate not to avail ourselves of. When about to part at the Mahana, the immortal Igali unwinds from around his waist that long blue girdle, the arranging and rearranging of which has been a familiar feature of the last week's experiences, and presents it to me for a souvenir of himself, a courtesy which I return by presenting him with several of the Byzantine coins given to me by the Belgrade antiquary, as before mentioned. Beyond Cimendria, where the captain leaves us for the return journey, we leave the course of the Danube, which I have been following in a general way for over two weeks, and strike due southward up the smaller, but not less beautiful, valley of the Morava River, where we have the intense satisfaction of finding roads that are both dry and level, enabling us, in spite of the broiling heat, to bowl along at a 16-kilometer pace to the village, where we halt for dinner and the usual three-hours noontide siesta. Seeing me jotting down my notes with a short piece of lead pencil, the proprietor of the Mahana at Cimendria, where we take a parting glass of wine with the captain, and who admires America and the Americans, steps indoors for a minute, and returns with a telescopic pencil case, attached to a silken cord of the Servian national colors, which he places around my neck, requesting me to wear it around the world, and, when I arrive at my journey's end, sometimes to think of servia with the igali's sky-blue girdle encompassing my waist and the servian national colors fondly encircling my neck i begin to feel quite a heraldic tremor creeping over me and actually surprise myself casting wistful glances at the huge antiquated horse pistol stuck in yonder bullwhacker's ample waistband Moreover, I really think that a pair of these Servian moccasins would not be bad footgear for riding the bicycle. All up the Morava Valley, the roads continue far better than I have expected to find in Servia, and we wheel merrily along. The Risara Mountains, covered with dark pine forests, skirting the valley on the right, sometimes rising into peaks of quite respectable proportions. The sun sinks behind the receding hills. It grows dusk, And finally, dark, save the feeble light vouchsafed by the new moon, and our destination still lies several kilometers ahead. But, at about nine, we roll safely into Jagodina, well satisfied with the consciousness of having covered 145 kilometers today, in spite of delaying our start in the morning until eight o'clock, and the 20 kilometers of indifferent road between Grotzka and Semendria there has been no reclining under roadside mulberry trees for my companion to catch up to-day however the servian wheelman is altogether a speedier man than igali and whether the road is rough or smooth level or hilly he is found close behind my rear wheel my own shadow follows not more faithfully than does the best rider in servia we start for jagodina at five thirty next morning finding the roads a little heavy with sand in places. But, otherwise, all that a wheelman could wish. Crossing a bridge over the Morava River into Chupriya, we are required not only to foot it across, but to pay a toll for the bicycles, like any other wheeled vehicle. At Chupriya, it seems as though the whole town must be depopulated, so great is the throng of citizens that swarm about us motley and picturesque even in their rags one's pen utterly fails to convey a correct idea of their appearance besides servians bulgarians and turks and the greek priests who never fail of being on hand now appear roumanians wearing huge sheepskin busbies with the long ragged edges of the wool dangling about eyes and ears or in the case of a more dudish person, clipped around smooth at the brim, making the headgear look like a small, round, thatched roof. Urchins, whose daily duty is to promenade the family goat around the streets, join in the procession, tugging their bearded charges after them, and a score of dogs, overjoyed beyond measure at the general commotion, romp about and bark their joyous approval of it all. To have crowds like this following one out of town makes a sensitive person feel uncomfortably like being chased out of a community for borrowing chickens by moonlight, or on account of some irregularity concerning hotel bills. On occasions like this, Orientals seemingly have not the slightest sense of dignity. Portly, well-dressed citizens, priests, and military officers press forward among the crowds of peasants and unwashed frequenters of the streets. Evidently more delighted with things about them than they have been for many a day before at Deligrad, we wheeled through the battlefield of the same name, where in eighteen seventy six Turks and Servians were arrayed against each other. These battle- scarred hills above Delegrad command a glorious view of the lower Morava Valley, which is hereabouts most beautiful and just broad enough for its entire beauty to be comprehended. The Servians won the Battle of delegrad and, as I paused to admire the glorious prospect to the southward from the hills, methinks their general showed no little sagacity in opposing the invaders at a spot where the Morava Vale, the jewel of Servia, was spread out like a panorama below his position to fan with its loveliness the patriotism of his troops. They could not do otherwise than win with the fairest portion of their well-beloved country spread out before them like a picture. A large cannon, captured from the Turks, is standing on its carriage by the roadside, a mute but eloquent witness of Servian prowess. A few miles further on, we halt for dinner at Aleksinats, near the old Servian boundary line, also the scene of one of the greatest battles fought during the Servian struggle for independence. The Turks were victorious this time, and 15,000 Servians and 3,000 Russian allies yielded up their lives here to superior Turkish generalship, and Alexioats was burned to ashes. The Russians have erected a granite monument on a hill overlooking the town, in memory of their comrades who perished in this fight. The roads today average even better than yesterday, and at six o'clock we roll into Nish, 120 kilometers from our starting point this morning, and 280 from Belgrade. As we enter the city, a gang of convicts, working on the fortifications, forget their clanking shackles and chains, and the misery of their state, long enough to greet us with a boisterous howl of approval, and the guards, who are standing over them for once, at least fail to check them, for their attention, too, is wholly engrossed in the same wondrous subject. Nish appears to be a thoroughly oriental city, and here I see the first Turkish ladies with their features hidden behind their white yashmaks. At seven or eight o'clock in the morning, when it is comparatively cool and people are patronizing the market, trafficking and bartering for the day's supply of provisions, the streets present quite an animated appearance. But during the heat of the day, the scene changes to one of squalor and indolence respectable citizens are smoking nargulies, Mark Twain's hubble-bubble, or sleeping somewhere out of sight. Business is generally suspended, and in every shady nook and corner one sees a swarthy ragamuffin stretched out at full length, perfectly happy and contented if only he is allowed to snooze the hours away in peace. Human nature is verily the same the world over, and here, in the hotel at Nish, I meet an individual who recalls a few of the sensible questions that have been asked me from time to time at different places on both continents. This Nish interrogator is a Hebrew commercial traveler who has a smattering of English, and who, after ascertaining during a short conversation, that, when a range of mountains or any other small obstruction is encountered, I get down and push the bicycle up, airs his knowledge of English and of cycling, to the extent of inquiring whether I don't take a man along to push it up the hills. End of section 16. Recording by William Tomko.